Today is what we would call Christmas Sunday. We will um, go more specifically into the Christmas story on Tuesday. But today I want to talk a little bit about things that lead up to the Christmas story. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn to Luke, uh, that would be great. Uh, Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read several sections, or three sections actually, and they're kind of lengthy, so just hang in there. Uh, We're going to start with Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah uh, who belonged to the priestly division of Abaha. His, His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteousness of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Notice he said he's old, but he figured out a nicer way to say it about his wife. (laughs) Learn from that. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now we're going to skip ahead in the story just a few verses to verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as, she found, as, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And now we're going to finish the story, jump ahead uh, to verse 67. This is Zechariah, the father of, of the baby that is going to be had by Elizabeth. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. And he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. To shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the path of peace. Now let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today, that we would hear your voice, and that we would have, because of you, a better understanding. A better understanding of what Christmas is, what Christmas is all about, why it's such a big deal, and why we need to take hold of its meaning uh, even today. So open our ears and open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
Somebody wrote down a list. I think his name was Justin Taylor. He wrote a list of uh, who is Christmas for. So see if you can find yourself in this list. Who is Christmas for? Christmas is for those who look in the mirror and see ugliness. Christmas is for daughters whose fathers never told them they were beautiful. Christmas is for those who go to a wing night alone. Christmas is for those whose lives have been wrecked by cancer and the thought of another Christmas seems like an impossible dream. Christmas is for those who would be nothing but lonely if not for social media. Christmas is for those whose marriages have careened against the retaining wall and are threatening to flip over the edge. Christmas is for the son whose father keeps giving him hunting gear when he wants art materials. Christmas is for smokers who cannot quit, even in the face of a death sentence. Christmas is for prostitutes, adulterers, and porn stars who long for love in every wrong place. Christmas is for college students who are sitting in the midst of the family and already can't wait to get out for another drink. Christmas is for those who traffic in failed dreams. Christmas is for those who have squandered the family name and fortune. They want home, but cannot imagine a gracious reception. Christmas is for parents watching their children's marriage fall into disarray. Christmas is an incredible time. And every year we tell the story. And typically when we tell the story, we do the nativity scene, we talk about the different characters in this drama that is Christmas. We always have angels, we always have shepherds, uh, we have Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. We have the wise men or the magi. Um, but maybe the, the person that, that gets left out of the story a lot of times is the Holy Spirit. And as, if you were paying attention as we read through the story leading up to Christmas, uh, Christmas really is a Holy Spirit day. Christmas is a Holy Spirit day. Uh, Luke and Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the experience of the Holy Spirit, write the Christmas story, and they write it from a perspective of someone who has experienced Pentecost. When Luke and Matthew write their story of Christmas, they've already experienced Pentecost. So they're writing it from a Holy Spirit perspective. It's interesting, we look at the activity of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and we look at the activity of the Holy Spirit from Pentecost going forward, and it's, it's different. There's a difference in the way the Holy Spirit moves and works after Pentecost when you compare it to the way the Holy Spirit worked uh, in the Old Testament. And we'll talk more specifically about that in a minute. Uh, but in this Christmas story, what we have is a bridge. We have the bridge, really, of Spirit, Holy Spirit activity from the Old Testament to the New. And the bridge, the, maybe the most important thing to remember about this bridge is that this bridge story is written by men who have experienced Pentecost. So they're looking back and they're seeing really the past activity of the Holy Spirit from a different perspective than those in the Old Testament who were looking forward. So we want to take a look at that today. 
The Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon you for you. And the Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon me for me. The Holy Spirit comes upon you and you and you and you and me and us to create in us as a community the story of God. And that's what we see in this story. This is what's happening. You look at every player in the story, every person in the Christmas drama has an encounter with the Lord. In this story, Zechariah is told by Gabriel that his wife will have a baby who will be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. So John, we're told, is going to be born. He's going to have the Holy Spirit in the womb. Gabriel then tells Mary that she will be overcome by the Holy Spirit, and that's how she will conceive, even though she's a virgin, and have a child who will be called the Son of God. And then Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife, and when she hears Mary's voice, the baby inside of her, get the dynamic here, she hears the voice of Mary, the baby inside of her, who is full of the Holy Spirit, leaps in her womb, and she's filled with the Holy Spirit. So her baby, John, actually was a catalyst in, her, in the mom being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amazing. Uh, Luke points backward and tells the story. It's an incredible story. Here's something else that Luke does. He looks backward and he includes things that to us maybe are dull or unimportant like genealogies. My wife loves genealogies. I mean, anybody else here, big genealogy people? Y'all could start a support group. My <laughs> wife loves genealogies. She does, and she's traced her family back. She knows all the way back to the 1600s, her, her family was from Bristol, England. They came from Bristol, England, and they settled in Jamestown. And they left Jamestown in covered wagons, and they came south, and some of them stopped in Starkville, Mississippi, and some of them went on to Texas. And they, they actually, in Jamestown, I think they lived in the first brick house built in America. Incredible stuff. You know, it's, it's kind of important to know where you came from. And so genealogies are, are a big deal. Knowing your family history can be important. There are studies that actually show that kids who know where their grandparents went to school do better in school. Go figure that. Now, there are also things that when we talk about genealogies that we leave out, right? I mean, if you've done extensive research of your family, you've found to have uncovered a couple of things you don't want to talk about. And so my wife, where she talks about, yes, we, had, we lived in the same, in the first brick house in America. Rarely do we hear the story about how her descendants traveled and rode with Jesse James. We don't talk about that near as much, but they did. I have a family member who was arrested, convicted, and executed. But we don't talk about that around the dinner table at Christmas. Luke, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, includes the genealogy of Jesus. And he includes in the genealogy 
the ones that we would have left out. For instance, Rahab. Rahab, Scripture refers to her as a prostitute. Some people uh, have contended that really she was just an innkeeper. Maybe so, but you know, if you have a relative and you're not sure whether she was an innkeeper or a prostitute, you just don't talk about her. <laughs> and she's in the list. Do you know why she's in the list? Here's why she's in the list, because Christmas is for prostitutes. Yeah. Christmas is for prostitutes. Christmas is for thieves, and Christmas is for beggars, and Christmas is for people who've lost hope. Christmas is for broken marriages. Christmas is for people who've lost family members and, and just don't know if it'll ever be the same again. Christmas is for people who are hurting and looking for hope and life. The birth of John and Jesus occurred during a time uh, that does mark this transition of how the Old Testament looked at the work of the Holy Spirit and how the New Testament after Pentecost will work. And, and this Christmas story is a bit of a bridge, and there's a shift from one dispensation to another, and it's marked by some particular differences in the presence and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to special individuals to fit them for special service. Nikki Gumbel put it this way, the Holy Spirit was given to particular people at particular times for particular tasks. That's the way the Holy Spirit tended to work in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is given to all believers. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was with people and upon people. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is within the life of the believer. A.B. Simpson says it like this. In the New Testament dispensation, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us and to unite us personally with God and to be in us not only a spirit of power and preparation for service, but a spirit of life, holiness, and fellowship with the divine being. In the New Dispensation, we don't just receive power or forgiveness or influence. We receive the person of the Holy Spirit come to live in us. You could even go so far as to say that in the old dispensation, the residence of the Holy Spirit was heaven and that he visited earth. But in the new dispensation, his residence is inside of you. His residence is inside of me. The primary residence of the Spirit in this new dispensation is in the hearts and the lives of men and women and children who have given themselves to Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit is now not just to empower specific people for specific tasks, his work now is also, in addition to that, to make known to sons and daughters the heart of the Father. To communicate to you and in you the love of God. 
his love for you and his love through you. Can you pull up John 7 for me by any chance? You said if I gave you 15 seconds. So John 7, verses 37 and 38. Here we go. John 7. On the last, there it was, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Here's the thing I want to point out. In John's gospel, chapter 7, Jesus He's in Judea for the Feast of Tabernacles. And on the last day of the feast, he stands up and he makes this declaration. And then it says, right after he makes this declaration, by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Are you, are you catching on here? Are you tracking with me? Think about this. We've just read in chapter 1 of Luke. John has the Holy Spirit. Mary's overcome by the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth, it says, is filled with the Holy Spirit. Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit. But now John in chapter 7 is saying, Jesus is talking about something that's going to happen later that hasn't happened yet. He's talking about rivers of living water within believers. And it says he's referring to the Holy Spirit who hasn't been given yet. What's up with that? We just read four people at least. And then if you go into chapter 2 of Luke, you find another one, Simon, uh, Simeon, who it says is filled with the Holy Spirit. So what's going on here? It's a bridge. It's the bridge, y'all. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came upon people for specific tasks, for specific things at specific times. In this bridge, the Holy Spirit is coming upon people for specific tasks at specific times, for specific things. But it's a bridge into the Pentecost age. The writers of Luke have lived through that age. They understand it. They know it. That's the perspective that they're writing from. And they are telling the Christmas story in a way that we will understand because we too live in this new dispensation, which is a Holy Spirit dispensation. The new dispensation is different. Christmas is the bridge. The cross and the resurrection is the door and rivers of living water is the promise. Yes. Yes. Get that. You have to get that. The new dispensation, Christmas is the bridge, the cross and resurrection is the door, and rivers of living water is the promise. Christmas is for you. Christmas is for me. It is a gift of invitation, not just an invitation to know about God, not just an invitation to be forgiven. It is an invitation to be made a member, member of his family. And your birthright as a child of God 
is rivers. Rivers of living water. Not a drop. Not a trickle. Not a dried up pond. Rivers. A river. A white water raging river of living water. That's the promise. And so here, here is my invitation to you today. If you're dry, if you feel powerless, if you feel empty, if you've lost hope, if you find it difficult to believe, or simply if you want more, and you believe that there is more. I'm going to ask you just to quietly stand where you are. Want more? Lost hope? Want to believe more deeply? Want to walk more intimately? Feel like maybe you've got a trickle instead of a river? Sick and tired of being sick and tired. Now, I want to make a promise to you. This is easy. You're going, yeah, it's the same guy that said marriage was easy. <laughs> <laughs> this is easy, y'all. This is easy. Trust me. Okay? I want you to just do your hands like this. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. God, you are a good father. You love to give gifts, good gifts, to your children. Fill me with your spirit. Rivers of living water. In Jesus' name. you remain standing. I'm going to invite our teams to come. We're going to go into a time of ministry. We love if you prayed that prayer just now and you want to come here and have one of these teams uh, minister to you and pray for you, uh, we would love to do that. Here's what I want you to know about what you just did. Uh, God is faithful and he answers prayer and he, he knows your heart. And, and what makes what you just prayed so easy is that he wants it more than you do. He wants there to be rivers of life and rivers of living water in you more than you want it. And he's just waiting for you not to swing the door wide open. He's, he's waiting for a crack. You just crack the door. He's in. He wants it because he loves you. You don't have to fall on the, on the floor and bounce around. You don't have to speak. You don't have to speak in another language. But those things might happen to you. And that's, you know, if they do, don't, don't. Don't be wigged out. I mean, it might, but it doesn't have to. It can be just as simple as asking a good father for a good gift. And then he says, absolutely. thought you'd never ask. So, Lord, we pray for every person in this room who has asked you today for rivers of living water for Christmas. We know it's a gift that you love to give. And so I pray 
from the tops of our heads to the soles of our feet. Rivers. Rivers, God. Rivers of living water. We want to be different. We want to be more like you. It's not in us to be like you. It has to be you in us for us to look like you. Fill us, God. Fill us in Jesus' name.